0: Man Up, a program dedicated to inspiring and helping men live lives of heroic virtue. And now it's time to Man Up. Welcome to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are broadcasting on the Iowa Catholic Radio Network. I am Joe Stopulis, and today I am joined again by Joseph Pierce to discuss the Lord of the Rings, a second part, a follow-up from last week's episode. Let us start in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls, amen. In the, name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Follow-up from last week's episode on the Lord of the Rings. I joked with Joseph Pierce last week that there's probably no way we could we could do two episodes. Uh, or that we could only do this in one episode, I should say. We need at least two, if not an entire show, a series dedicated to the Lord of the Rings. We're hopefully going to be able to sneak it in in two. But last week covered a lot of the, the general themes of the Lord of the Rings. Kind of the overview of of allegory of how Tolkien uh, specifically uh, doesn't, unlike unlike in the Chronicles of Narnia, where Aslan in all cases is is a representation of Jesus Christ, and it's, it's very apparent uh, in the Narnia series how that works. That is not the case with the Lord of the Rings. So you have to have more of a keen eye. Uh, it's a little more subtle, but all of these various characters as Joseph alluded to last week have uh, bits and pieces of, of Christian undertones throughout them um, so Frodo is the ring bearer, I mean, he's the cross bearer right? so he's Jesus when he's carrying the cross uh, Gandalf has this um, this prophet uh, side to him, he also comes back uh, in his dazzling white he's, you know, the transfiguration, things like that um, Aragorn is the king, the, Jesus as king goes down into the, the underworld, comes back, so there's all these things going on, well today we, we kind of Covered, I kind of the overarching themes of the Lord of the Rings last time. Uh, today we are going to jump specifically, I have a lot of characters I have questions on, uh, so I'm going to peg those to Joseph Pierce when we return on the other side of the break. Stick around, we will be right back. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Five Sons Naturescapes. Five Sons Naturescapes is a Catholic veteran-owned family company providing premium outdoor landscaping. Learn more about Five Sons Naturescapes at fivesonsnaturescapes.com fivesonsnaturescapes.com.
1: Thank you, Caldwell Parish, for underwriting Iowa Catholic Radio. Conform to the wishes of the deceased and to Catholic liturgical burial traditions. Caldwell Parish Funeral Home, Des Moines' only Catholic-owned and operated funeral home. Caldwellparish.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional
0: and organic production. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Skeffington's Formalware. In business since 1951, with locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Coralville, and Ankeny. Skeffington's Formalware, fitting you for life celebrations. Online at skeffington's.com. My help comes from you. You're right here, Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. I am so excited today to have back on Joseph Pierce. He is an internationally acclaimed author of many books, including The Quest for Shakespeare, Tolkien, The Man and Myth, C.S. Lewis and the Catholic Church, and many others. Today, very pertinent to our conversation. He also has written and presented documentaries on EWTN, including the Catholicism of the Lord of the Rings. He wrote the book, The Frodo's Journey, the discovery of the hidden meaning of the Lord of the Rings. And he joined me last week for what was going to be just one conversation on the Lord of the Rings and finding the Catholic themes in it. But man, we couldn't get through it all quickly enough. And so he's back for another one. Joseph Pierce, welcome back to The Man Up Show. It's good to be back. Awesome. Thanks so much. Well, again, we, we kind of joked about it at the end of the last episode, which is to say we, you and I could talk about the Lord of the Rings forever. Um, and so we knew that it'd be tough to squeeze it all into 20 minutes that that first time. And so I want to, I want to continue. I'll, I'll set the, a little bit of the groundwork for what we talked about last time is, and then we'll, we'll, we'll guide, dive into some of the other themes. So last time we covered, you know, first and foremost, well, if you haven't, if you haven't read the book, read the book. Okay. So that's the, we'll start with that. There's the the first takeaway uh, is that the the movie was very good and we can talk about the differences here in a second. Um, But you get so much more, especially the Catholic themes out of that book. And then this idea of allegory, This idea that, you know, there's not this specific Christ figure. There's not a specific Peter figure or a Judas figure. There are uh, many hints and, and traits throughout the book Uh, Throughout the various characters, and so that's why Tolkien is is unlike uh, in Narnia, where where Aslan is clearly Christ. Uh, There are all these bits and and tastes throughout the book, so you got to keep your maybe your your Catholic lens on and be on alert throughout this wonderful work of literature. And and so now we're kind of talking about what are these actual themes? What are the things uh, that we're going to draw out of the Lord of the Rings? And and Joseph, last time we talked, we're kind of ending with this idea of the journey. Uh, we were talking about this idea of the, the, the fellowship of the ring journeying through life together. And I thought one of the other things I thought that I'd like to hear your take on is this idea of the Lambus bread. I've heard it said that is kind of a maybe an allegory or have some semblance to, to the Eucharist. Is that true? Can you give us an idea? Because obviously that is what is kind of keeping them sustained throughout uh, throughout their journey.
1: Yes, there's no doubt at all that, uh, that Tolkien had the Eucharist in mind when, uh, when he uh, uh, presents us with uh, Lembas in, in The uh, Lord of the Rings. First of all, Lembas actually means in Elvish uh, life bread or bread of life. So that's the first linguistic clue. Uh, we're also told that it doesn't just feel, feed the body, it feeds the will. And that, of course, is exactly what the Blessed Sacrament does. It actually nourishes our will to enable us, by by the grace of God, and of course it is the grace of God, Christ's presence, Mm -hmm. uh, that that enables us to, uh, to fight more... Uh, successfully, the powers of evil, because we have the, uh, the the help of God to feed our will. So when we're told that, that that lembas doesn't just feed the body, but feeds the will, and that it means in in Elvish life bread or bread of life, is quite clearly an a, 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 an analogy, an allegory of uh, of the Blessed Sacrament.
0: Again, okay, I think that that's somewhat lost. I think you see it more when you do the reading of it versus uh in the movie again one of those things that kind of gets lost in in translation you one of the themes that we talked about last time was this idea of friendship you know especially when it comes to frodo and and sam but there's also the idea of of sacrifice and you know to the manner that you give your life away and you're called to something greater that is when when you're giving your life away that's when you gain the most and that's when that's when you realize what your purpose in life is and I i think i just keep going back to this This book is so great because of how comfortable their lives are in Hobbiton, in the Shire. Everything is so fine. And how often they long for, they have these moments where they long to go back to the happiness they had, but they realize that without doing the sacrificial act that they're being called to, being called to get up and take action, the story doesn't happen. They don't conquer evil. None of this stuff happens. And it all because of the self-sacrifice uh, that happens with them leaving, them leaving the comfort of their own little houses, and then obviously the self-sacrifice throughout. And so there, there are clearly Christian undertones just in that, which tends to be the main point of uh, of the Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah, the there's,
1: there's, there's, the most important thing about Lord of the Rings on, on on this level is that it shows us the Christian understanding of love. The the the, the point is, the culture in we in which we live, love is seen as something. Uh, basically it's emotional, it's a feeling that we have, and therefore it's, it's fundamentally ir- irrational. You know, that I'm in love with you because I have these feelings and these emotions, and as long as I have these feelings and emotions, I'm in love. And as soon as those feelings and emotions are no longer there, I'm not in love any longer. This is fundamentally irrational and ultimately fundamentally narcissistic and selfish. Uh, it sacrifices the other for the self, whereas a Christian understanding of love is the complete opposite. It's, a, it's actually a, a rational choice. Uh, to, to love as, as Christ teaches us to love is to freely choose to lay down our life for the beloved, even if the beloved is our enemy. So um, it has, you, see, you know, obviously the feelings we have towards our children or towards our spouse or towards our parents or towards our friends or towards our enemies are going to vary. We're not going to have the same feelings towards our children as we have towards our enemies, but um, but that's irrelevant because to love is to freely choose to sacrifice ourselves for the other. So in the Lord of the Rings, it is precisely this Christian self-sacrificial aspect of love which is at the very heart of the story. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, in its very fabric, if, the very, if you like, the pulse uh, of its Christian heart breathes this... Uh, Palpitates this uh, Christian understanding of love on every page.
0: So let's dive into some of the actual characters. So I think we've kind of set some of the major overarching themes from the the specific characters now. So let's talk about Frodo. What what do you like to point to as far as the qualities of Frodo that we look to in our own humanity or some of those things that you think we should point out from a Christian undertones, Christian themes out of the character of Frodo? Well, the
1: first thing, of course, is that the hobbits in general are uh, small uh seemingly irrelevant in the 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 wider scheme of things that the most powerful people never even heard of them uh so the first thing about the hobbits is that you and me it's it's not about being big and great it's about being small and beautiful and loving so that the hobbits are ordinary people not the high and mighty not the great the merely the ordinary man in the streets that's the first thing then frodo in his Freely choosing to bear the burden of the ring for the good of Middle-earth is basically taking up his cross, bearing the weight, the burden of that evil, taking up that cross for the common good of humanity. Um, in that sense, Frodo is, um, uh, as I've already said, as we, as we discussed last week, a Christ figure. But of course, we're all called to be like Christ. So at simultaneously, as he's a figure of Christ, he's also an everyman figure. Yeah. He represents what we're called to be as Christians, as those willing to take the take up the cross, to bear the burden of the sin of the world for the good of our neighbor.
0: So then how does Sam play into that? Because obviously I'm assuming we're called to be Sam as well in some way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah. Insof- insofar as Frodo is seen as a Christ figure, Sam is the loyal disciple of Christ. He follows uh, uh, Christ through thick and thin. So he is, if you like, um, the, um, the the embodiment of what it is to be someone who is willing to follow Christ uh, even unto death. So in that, he's the, the perfect disciple. Uh, the, Tolkien said he based the character of Samwise Gamgee on his personal servant during World War I. Now, every officer in the British Army above a certain rank had his a private soldier who was his servant. And uh, Tolkien said that his own servant was far superior to, to him in terms of courage, dignity, nobility. Mm. And he said he based Samwise Gamgee upon upon this character. So in this sense, you know, we can see um, that uh, Samwise, as the servant of the servants, and that's one of the, the titles, of course, of the Pope, is to be the servant of the servants of God. Uh, and I think that that's what we see Samwise, Samwise is the servant of the servant, and in that he is a true disciple.
0: Yeah, and again he's he's a true disciple and he's a true friend and i think that's what's so cool uh you know i i don't again you it's, it's almost impossible to have a conversation without going back to the peter jackson uh and the casting and whatnot um but i think some of it he did a really good job on i think sam wise i think does a really good job um i have some i have we don't need to get too far into it but i have a few gripes with a few of them and one of them's coming up here in a second i want you to uh if you could now let's get into some of the Um, The men of Middle Earth, uh, specifically Boromir and Fraramir, what we're supposed to learn from those two as far as the humanity we have and how they respond to the ring.
1: Yes. Well, just as we said, we discussed last week how there were several characters who manifest aspects of being Christ figures. There are several characters who manifest aspects of being every man figured we've already discussed how Frodo and sam can be seen as that but but the person who's an who represents us more than anybody else in the whole Lord of the rings is boromir And, and the reason for that is simple that uh in the fellowship of the ring he is the one who represents humanity so you have in the fellowship of the ring you have four hobbits you have a wizard you have a king you have an elf you have a dwarf and you have a man just one man Who's representing all of us, all of humanity? So he's our representative in the story. He's the, he's the everyman figure, and of course that's a sobering reality because Boromir is the one who betrays the fellowship, who will use the power of the ring in order to fight the enemy. And that sounds reasonable enough, you know. You've got you've got the devil and his and, and, and his army m- marching upon your homeland, and you you've got this very powerful weapon, the ring. Is obviously tempting to use it. But the wise know that if you use evil means to a good end, you become evil yourself. And if you become evil yourself, you don't you don't win a victory over evil. You you are defeated by it. So but Boromir doesn't learn that lesson until it's too late. But then he does die heroically, laying down his life, his friends. No greater love, says Christ, lay down his life, his friends. And then the actual the exchange between Aragorn and Boromir as Boromir is dying, follows the actual form of the catholic sacrament of penance perfectly with actually born in persona christi as 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 the priest and as the and as as the christ figure hearing Boromir's confession um and absolving him of his sin um so we have Boromir actually dying a very good death now faramir on the other hand is also an everyman figure and you know the tolkien says no, the fact that Tolkien makes Faramir Boromir's brother means that Tolkien is allegorically connecting them. So if Bo- ba- Boromir is, a, uh, is our representative, so is Faramir as his brother. And Faramir says that he would not pick up the ring if he saw it lying at the side of the road. And he also says I would not snare even an orc with a falsehood. In other words, not the smallest lie to the devil himself. No evil means to a good end. So in Faramir, we're shown, if you like, up to a point, Boromir's uh, uh, antidote—the uh, the 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 one who is living the life of a saint, with the way we're meant to live. So we might say, in some sense, Faramir is a uh, like the Blessed Virgin, the perfect saint, uh, and uh, Boromir is like like Saint Mary Magdalene, the sinner who through repentance has a, a, a becomes holy. So those two. And I would add this point, by the way, just in case we, that that just in case we think that maybe. Tolkien is painting us to I mean much 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 better than we deserve. That Gollum is also an everyman figure because Gollum shows us what happens, we become addicted to the power of sin. That basically our soul shrivels. And I really think that the, the character of Gollum is a perfect realistic depiction of the of the of what a human soul looks like once we have completely surrendered to the power of sin. We shrivel, we shrink. We become addicted to darkness. We are no longer the good hobbit that God made us to be. We become this servant of evil. Um, So that shows us the danger of being addicted to the power of the ring or the power of sin. So those three characters in various ways uh, manifest who we are. Tolkien says that the stories hold up a mirror to man. In Boromir, Faramir and Gollum, we see a mirror of ourselves.
0: You know, the Boromir character, right after he you know, tries to get the ring from Frodo, he has this overwhelming sense of, of grief and sorrow, right? And he, he, he starts crying. Here's this powerful man who's, who's lost control of himself. You know, I, that is such a great uh, example of what sin does, right? I mean, we do things we know we're not supposed to do and the shame that comes along with that. Uh, and I just think it's such a perfect portrayal of, you know, the ring and the power, the the lust for power or whatever that thing is that you want in your life that you know, you're not supposed to do and just fall into this trap of sin and his instant understanding of gosh, darn it. What have I done? I've fallen again. Or I, I, I'm, I'm in my human weakness. I've done that. So I thought that was a, just such a good portrayal of the human condition as it relates to sin. And as I mentioned, my biggest beef with the movie is this, I mean, it is, almost unconscionable what they did with Farmir in the movie. Cause I remember I, I watched the movies and then I read the book and then I watched the movies again. And I said, wait a second, the Farmer character is literally wrong. Like it's not even, he didn't even try to keep it close. So if you haven't seen the movie, you're missing one of the best characters in the whole book.
1: Yeah, I would say also, and I agree with you completely, by the way, that Faramir is one of the biggest weaknesses of Peter Jackson's adaptation. And I think it indicates uh, a great truth, that it's much more difficult artistically to portray virtue than mm. to portray evil. We can all show monsters doing nasty things. That's easy. But to show virtue, particularly to show virtue without becoming preachy, is difficult. And Peter Jackson made his reputation making horror movies. So, you know, all the monsters are great, um, but you know when he when he was when he was called to show true virtue in the character of Faramir, as you say, he didn't even try. He just invents a completely different character, make, makes Faramir do things that he just doesn't do in the book.
0: Yeah, I think I read I think I read somewhere when I was researching this a while back that the, the character who played him had never actually read the book, and then later on after the movies read the book, he's like, what, what, <laughs> what, what just happened? Like, well, I didn't know I did that. Anyway, I'm not. I can't verify that's true, but I think I'd read that once, and you would have the same reaction uh, if that were you. So why didn't Frodo throw the, the ring into Mount Doom? So it gets all the way up there. We have this enormous thousand-page book to get him there to the precipice to do this, and he doesn't do it. What does that tell us about the human condition?
1: Yeah, well, it's very important, actually. It shows – it shows, this is one of the moments that shows uh, shows uh, Tolkien's deep Catholicism because um, – you know that this that the pelagianism is the ancient sin of believing that we can overcome evil by the triumph of our own will and it's a very powerful uh uh, uh heresy today because it's the self-help religion you know you go you go to barnes and noble or amazon and there's hundreds and hundreds of books about self-help about basically how you can make your heaven make your life heaven you know the, the, the whole self-help uh, heresy but the Christ, you know, the, the church has always taught that you cannot overcome the power of evil without the assistance of grace. In other words, without supernatural assistance from God. So uh, the, the, this is absolutely perfect is that when, when, um, Frodo gets to Mount Doom we all want him to throw the, the ring into we've been waiting for this moment as you say for almost a thousand pages we <laughs> followed, a long time. yeah we followed Frodo step by step on foot most of the time you know across Middle Earth we climbed the mountain with him and then he fails and we're angry with him he's let us down. And then when we think about it, we actually angry with Tolkien because it's not it's not actually Frodo's fault. Tolkien's the one who writes the story, it's Tolkien's fault. And then when we think a bit more deeply, we realise that um, this is profoundly Christian. That Frodo needs um, supernatural assistance. That the ring, the power of sin, is too powerful for him using his own will to overcome. And then and then we get that reward of grace, which we spoke about last week, um, uh, I believe that. that it's then that Gollum emerges providentially uh, and basically takes the ring uh, and falls into Mount Doom with the ring, destroying the ring. And so this is, uh, this is Gollum, if you like, signifying God's providence. And as we said, the only reason that Gollum is there is because three separate hobbits on three separate occasions had passed the most difficult test of the most difficult commandment that God gives us, which is to love our enemy. And Gollum is the enemy. There's no doubt about that. He wants the ring. He wants to steal the ring. He'll kill the hobbits in order to to get it. Um, But instead of killing him when they have the chance, each of them, Bilbo, then Frodo, and then Sam, show him mercy. Uh, And it's through their showing of mercy to their enemy, through their loving of their enemy, that Gollum is still there at the end. If any of them had failed and Gollum was dead, He would not have been there and the ring would have triumphed. The power of sin would have triumphed. So, this is an example of of Tolkien's profound Catholic orthodoxy that he understands that without supernatural assistance, we cannot, through the triumph of our own will, through the power of our own will, overcome the power of evil.
0: Well, Joseph Pierce, I'll tell you, this has gone way too fast. And I'm not going to, I have enough prudence not to ask you on for a third episode, but I will point our listeners to your book Frodo's journey discover the hidden meaning of the lord of the rings any other things you want to point someone to uh to get deeper into this uh this subject well one thing
1: that I would do uh is is direct them to my own personal website which is jpearce.co e.co, where I talk about all the things of which I'm interested in including the lord of the rings and the hobbit and all things Tolkien they come up with uh with uh, frequency and regularity so I say,
0: in, in, in addition to that as i mentioned the first episode the overarching theme of using the humanities using arts using literature you get you really talk about these things and extrapolate them very well uh to help people have a, a, a lens to understand the the christian undertones of the christian what should be overtones of these books of these writings uh and i think you do such a great job so the last thing i'll say is if you haven't read the books, Just go read the books. Just make that your goal for 2022. Read the books. Joseph Pierce, thank you so much for joining me uh, again on Man Up on IO Catholic Radio. We're going to head to a short break, and we'll be right back. Hello,
1: this is Steve Ray. Join me in Iowa Catholic Radio on the journey of a lifetime with a Footprints of God pilgrimage to the Holy Land, November 11 through the 20th, 2023. We'll visit the places where our Lord performed miracles, including the Mount of Transfiguration, the Wedding Church in Cana, Tabga, where Jesus multiplied the loaves and fish, and of course, the Holy Sepulcher. The scriptures will come alive as I offer expert teaching along the way, like I always do. Visit iowacatholicradio.com for all the details. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Knights of Columbus Borman and Pfeiffer Agencies. Serving the Catholic families in Iowa. The Knights of Columbus is a fraternal benefit society providing financial security to members and their families. Specializing in life insurance, long-term care insurance, disability income insurance, and retirement annuities. And you can reach Knights of Columbus Field Agent Rob Ryan at 563-689-6801. That's 563-689-6801. Thank you and God bless.
0: welcome back to man up on iowa catholic radio my thanks again to the great joseph pierce for joining me for these two episodes on the lord of the rings you know, as I as I, if you're not first off following Joseph Pierce, you need to start following him. You need to to read his works, uh, his critiques. Uh, he gives such a great any. Uh, I mentioned previously when I had him on the Discerning Hearts podcast that he's on, which which basically it's about twenty five minutes, thirty minutes per episode, and they kind of break down the Catholic lens of these great books, these great books of literary importance. Uh, and and Joseph does such a great job of 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 bringing to light a lot of the Catholic themes. Uh, in the books, and then also in the authors' lives. So, if you're not following Joseph Pierce, you need to do it. As I've mentioned now uh, multiple times in both of these episodes with the Lord of the Rings, I would say the hierarchy approach would be to start by reading them. Start there. That'd be that'd be best case. Is you sit down with the books and you read them. Case number two would be you do the audiobook. Which again I thought was was wonderful I thought it was really well done Uh, I got a lot out of that as well Um, And man for kids it's a great way to introduce your kids to it Um you know, obviously reading aloud. We're, we're physically reading aloud right now. Uh, Kristen and I kind of going back and forth with it. Um, but the, the audiobooks are a great way. I have lots of friends who who give the audiobooks to their kids, let them listen to it um, when when they're doing whatever. A car rides, man, it's a great way to... If you have a long car trip coming up this summer, I can think of no better uh, no better way to pass that time than to do it on, with The Lord of the Rings. Uh, I, you know what? As I'm saying that, it feels like that's what we'll probably be doing on our trip to, uh, to Glacier National Park this year. Um, a lot of great... And then finally, you know the movies. I, I don't want to down downplay them. They are wonderful movies. But again, you you do want to start uh, with the books if you haven't already. But uh, the world of of the Lord of the Rings that Tolkien created one of the one of the greatest works of fiction of all time. And uh, I'm glad I get to spend a couple episodes with Joseph Pierce. So thanks for joining me today on Man Up. I am Joe stopulos It's time to man up. Man up! Inspiring men to live out their call to holiness.